Welcome to a St. Gabriel Catholic Radio Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for the 20th week of Ordinary Time. Welcome, Your Excellency. Thank you, Bill. Glad to be talking to you. You know, you've said before on air that uh, priests aren't hatched. They are part of a family. And uh, speaking of your family, uh, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, your home parish in Lindenhurst, New York, you were there for a special anniversary. I was. Um, so, yes, I uh, had a chance to visit both my uh, my own uh, family, um, which was a great uh, gift for me, but also the parish family of Our Lady Perpetual Help, where I grew up on, on the south shore of Long Island. The parish celebrated its 150th anniversary, and as you know, yesterday we celebrated the great feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and so I was invited to celebrate this special Mass um, as part of their anniversary celebration. And wow, it, w- it was great to to be able to visit um, and to celebrate um, Mary's intercession and guidance, the way she brings us to Jesus Christ. Is there a particular reading that you focused on in your homily? Well, indeed. You know, the um, yesterday, as you know, we... We kind of departed from our Bread of Life discourse to celebrate Mary's Assumption, and the Gospel was um, was the story of the visitation, where Mary went to Elizabeth, and um, where Mary then sings that great hymn of praise to God, uh, the Magnificat. Um, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit finds joy in God my Savior. We just looked upon his servant in her loneliness, and all ages to come shall call me blessed. God has done great things for me. The God, God who is mighty has done great things for me. So, yeah, um, we celebrated Mary's song of praise uh, to God. And my point was that as Mary, what did Mary do for Elizabeth with the um, visitation? I'm sure she did many things to help her, but the most important thing that Mary did she brought Jesus. She brought Jesus into the home of Elizabeth. She was carrying Jesus in her womb. She brought Jesus into the home of Elizabeth. And so important was it that the child in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy, right? Mm-hmm. St. John the Baptist leaped for joy because he could. there was that knowledge, that, that, that sense of the presence of God incarnate, that, that God was there, Jesus was there. Was present. That's what Mary did, and that's what Mary did through the Gospels. She brought Jesus to people, brought people to Jesus. She brought, um, and that's what she does through the ages. When we look at the different um, Marian appearances, and when we look at the different Marian devotions, it's all about Mary bringing people to Jesus, bringing Jesus to to people. He's bringing us together so so that that we might look more intently upon Jesus. And so my point yesterday was in celebrating my parish anniversary, Our Lady of Perpetual Help um, is the name of the parish. Um, isn't that what parish life is all about? Parish life is all about the encounter with Jesus, that we might, in our parishes, it's not about the societies. It's not, I mean, a lot of good things. It's not about the family feel. There are lots of good things that happen in our parishes. But the key thing at the heart of it all 
is that we can have that encounter with Christ, but more importantly, that having that encounter with Christ, we're ready to bring him to others, that we show each other the face of Jesus, just like Mary did. That's beautiful. You talk about uh, being a disciple first and then being a disciple maker, and what a great example, or the great example in Mary. She went to become a disciple maker by visiting Elizabeth. You also mentioned um, your heart has been moved by the tragedies experienced in Haiti. Indeed, indeed. You know, it's um, interesting that the parish where I was is Our Lady Perpetual Help, and I grew up with a great devotion um, to Our Lady Perpetual Help. Turns out that Mary, the Our Lady of Perpetual Help, is the patroness of Haiti, and so we did pray for people of Haiti at Mass yesterday, and um, I know through our social media, um, we've been praying in our own diocese um, for the people of Haiti, um, and we really redouble on that. Um, it was pretty clear on Saturday morning. I have some friends from Haiti who reached out to me on Saturday and said, you got to turn on the news. Um, there was a terrible earthquake. And at that point, there wasn't much that was known. You know, you heard a couple of people who had died. And as the days go on, not surprisingly, given the magnitude of the earthquake and the poverty of so many people, um, that, uh, that, 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 the death toll is so high and climbing very, very drastically. Um, it, it's a real tragedy. And as you know, Haiti has um, really struggled. Actually, for many years, there's an awful lot of poverty. It's probably the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But also, um, it's you know, we had a few weeks ago, there was the assassination of the president. Um, there had been some internal strife. Uh, they're still only now recovering from uh, the earthquake of years ago, and yet now to have um, one sort of, as a little on the west side of the, the country, to have one so devastating. Um, and then the understanding is that a tropical storm is heading in that direction. So now people without shelter are facing the impending storms. So it's just hit over and over and over again. And so we'll we'll be praying. We'll post what Catholic Relief Services is doing so that if there are opportunities for us here to respond, we certainly want to be able to do that. Um, I know it, um, some some of the uh, information I had gotten with my Haitian friends. Some I know uh, that the uh, in Lacayas there's uh, the, the, so much devastation. I know the the um, diocesan offices. Cardinal Shibby was injured. I don't think his injuries are life threatening. So many people, so many people um, have died and injuries are so bad. And the big thing is people are without protection. I had one, somebody sent me a video of a, a mass. I guess it was being streamed because all of a sudden you, you, you see the priest, you know, at the part of the mass. So, um, may the Lord accept the sacrifice of your hands for the praise and glory of his name when all of a sudden you just see everybody running. Mm. Um so, so yes, well, let's pray. Let's pray. You know who else I pray for? Bill. Who? Um, 
<laughs> our own Haitian community here in the United States. So I was praying here on Long Island because I remember the Haitian community here, and I had some interaction with them. And we have a Haitian community we have here in Columbus, and um, I'm looking forward to being with them at St. Matthias on Sunday coming uh, to pray with them for, for, at Mass. But, um, you know, people are waiting to hear from family. People are waiting to hear from different places about the safety. Communication was not great to begin with because of the other problems, but now um, communication's a real problem. So, uh, so we pray for our own um, communities where the Haitians um, <clears throat> are trying, you know, to, they're concerned for their people at home and their home country, but they're also waiting anxiously to uh, connect with loved ones. So we pray for all of them. Um, these days are not easy. I, I, I know we're also praying um, for the people of Afghanistan and for our own troops, and um, that situation is, is, is terribly tragic. And so uh, these are days. These are days where we just pour out our hearts in prayer, don't we? We do. Uh, we've been discussing the book uh, from, from Christendom to Apostolic Succession by Monsignor James Shea. And he talked about, and you talked about last week, the importance of moving from an intellectual faith to pr- truly bringing the face of Christ to others. And during yep. this time in Haiti, perhaps this is the time we all can bring the face of Christ to others. That's exactly it. That's exactly right. So, like, yeah, too, what we do in the parish, we do collectively, um, you know, as a as people of God, we try to show the face of Christ through our compassion, through whatever generosity to our uh, solidarity and prayer we, we try to we bring we bring Jesus we bring the face of Christ to one another um yes and as you we talk about that that book we continue our conversation there and we were talking about the fourth chapter and that fourth chapter is so packed it's taken us three weeks <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even close to being on the end i don't think no well it's, we're getting close to the end of chapter four and then we'll be moving on but yeah we're not close to the end of the book yet no so we um you know the the, the there because i think that's a packed chapter it's called uh, pastoral strategies and and that's what it is it's talking about the situation where we find ourselves and and how we live in it so one of the, uh, where we are now, we've been talking about what does it mean to say, okay, we recognize the fact. We recognize the fact that we're not living in an age of Christendom when we can make certain assumptions. We recognize this move um, that we're sort of in a transitional period, but what we're transitioning toward is an age, preaching the Word in an age of apostolic mission. And well, what does that mean? It does mean that we can't just keep doing the same things the way we always did them and count on the same support. Um, so we spoke about marriage and the family. We spoke about um, the, the heroic witness of, of people getting married today and raising families. And uh, now we talk a little bit about uh, priestly formation. It, we have to look at the way we do priestly formation and look at new strategies to help our generous, and again, the decision to enter into religious life or to um, or priestly formation, that too is heroic in, in, in an age of apostolic mission. Um, it's, it's truly heroic to make that deliberate decision 
not only to follow Christ, because we all follow Christ, but to give one's life over to the service of his gospel. And so we need, we, we the Church, um, and myself as a leader in the Church, we need to give, provide the, the right equipment. We need to equip our young people um, to speak the, the, the gospel in this new era. Um, and and I'm, I'm proud of our seminaries and um, Father Hahn, our vocation director, because that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to assess what the needs of the day are and respond to those. First of all, we're dealing with a generation that did not grow up in an age of Christendom. So mm-hmm. it, you don't have, um, in a sense, it, we, some, some of our men come from... Um, very, very pious Catholic families, and that those that strong support um, that that I experienced. But some of our um, seminarians themselves have embraced the faith late in life. Some of them came from a situation where there wasn't a lot of uh, practice of the faith, and then they discovered it at a point in their life, and that's kind of heroic, and that's great. But what does that mean in terms of our formation? We have to be certain assumptions that we always made we can't make today. And, and, and the guys know that. They, they appreciate it. They, they seek to develop not only you know, the, the Catholic culture, but then also in terms of what does it mean for, to train them to be missionaries in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, over the summer, some of them have worked um, with a, a local immersion program for Spanish. Some of them have worked in... Um, in um, uh, social service agencies like St. Lawrence Haven and JOIN. Some of them have worked doing other kinds of regular work, but just working in the the culture so that they they can develop and hone in on those people skills, um, to walk with people, in real life, you, you, one, one of the things Pope Francis talks about it for the shepherds is to be able to walk among the flock. He talks about the smell of the sheep, right? Mm-hmm. So our guys are committed to, uh, to walking, to learning um, about the people who they're going to serve. And so they're using their summons very, very um, effectively. There's a group of them with Father Han this week out on something called Wilderness Outreach. God bless them. They're better people than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what are they're they going to be the, doing? They're out doing, they're camping, they're out um, clearing trails. It's part of a, a they, they, they go to a, a national park and they, they do some work on behalf of those trails. But what they're learning there is a sense of teamwork, discipline, um, fraternal um, cooperation and correction, helping one another to overcome the obstacles. Um, I, this is something I never would have thought of. I give Father Han and uh, the Wilderness Outreach people a lot of credit for it. You know, you see Wilderness Outreach, they're featured at our men's conference. They usually have a, um, um, a booth at the men's conference, and it's one of the interesting booths because they, they usually cutting something, either sawing something or axing away at something. Um, and, and I, I, I give the guys themselves who are doing this. They're not going, they're not staying in the local Hilton out there in the, the wilderness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're roughing it. And they're roughing it 
with a sense of trying to again that sense of um, of hard work and building up that sense of cooperation, walking with other men um, and and hearing their stories and you know family life and uh, and help and. I guess both literally and uh, figuratively smelling like the sheep, you know. <laughs> um, well, God bless them. They're doing a lot of hard work. The other thing is that, um, you know, some of them will begin their pastoral year this year. We started a pastoral year so that they can experience the full rhythm of life in the parish through the course of the year. So, you know, those in working in formation are doing exactly what said, living in an age of apostolic mission isn't all doom and gloom. It's actually very, very exciting. Um, it, it, when you can find these new ways of seeing and, 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 and working and realizing that it is, again, Jesus Christ who gives meaning and direction to all of life, and that the traditional things we have in the sacraments, you know, this, this isn't substituting for the sacraments. This is developing greater appreciation for, for holiness and for walking with Christ. But what it does is it focuses that, that holiness on apostolic mission. That is so beautiful, Bishop Brennan. Could you close us with a prayer and a blessing? Sure thing. Thank you for this chance to talk today. Thank you for Friday for the registration. Again, we keep reminding people to register. Mm-hmm. for our Real Presence, Real Future um, celebration, the Eucharistic Gathering on Saturday, August 28th. You can go to the St. Gabriel website or the diocesan website. And um, let's pray. As we pray, join in prayer for Haiti. As we join in prayer for the people of Afghanistan and join in prayer for all those who are suffering. Let's ask Mary to pray with us and all the saints as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, Bishop Brennan, for a dialogue on the faith. You can listen to today's podcast and all of Bishop Brennan's podcast at stgabrielradio.com or on the St. Gabriel Radio app. And now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.